Hey, good morning. By a round of applause, how are you feeling this morning? By a round of applause, how grateful are you for the presence of God in this place today? My name's Daniel Sutton. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. I do want to thank our lead pastors, Chris and Jody Tomlinson, for the opportunity to share God's word today. Pastor Chris just finished an incredible series taking us through the book of Colossians titled Unhindered, and like you, I took a lot away from that series. If you missed any of it, then I encourage you to go back and catch up. One of the things it made me think about was, what are the things that try to hinder us from living an unhindered life for Christ? And a few things came to mind, but one rose above the rest, and that is identity. Identity. We are bombarded with messages about identity. Be yourself. Follow your heart. And these things that are meant to be empowering instead leave people feeling empty and trapped in comparison. While culture says that identity is self-defined and discovered, the Bible has a very different message. Our identity is rooted in our relationship with God. Many people are facing an identity crisis. There's a lot of cases of mistaken identity out there. And this is not just happening in the lives of unbelievers or teenagers Followers of Christ at any age can experience an identity crisis and forget who they are in Christ. So my desire this morning in this message is that it would serve as an encouragement and a reminder for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, reminding us of exactly who we are in him and how powerful that makes us. Last week, Pastor Chris finished the series talking about how powerful our words are, and that we should be encouraging ourselves. Amen? You remember that? So let me encourage you today. You are uniquely made in God's image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us make human beings like us in our image. Well, perhaps you're here viewing online and you do not yet have a relationship with Christ. You are uniquely made in God's image. And I'm thrilled that you're here today so that I can try to show you who you can become in Christ. Really, the best way, the first step to uncovering who you are in Christ is by discovering who Jesus is. Our identity, while very important, is not central to our faith. The identity of Jesus is central to our faith. When we know him, we learn more about ourselves. When you find Jesus and walk in relationship with him, then you're on your way to knowing who you are. Because identity is found in God. Identity is received from God. He created us to be his image bearers, unique masterpieces. And he calls us to live in ways that reflect him to the world. We should be reflecting him to the world, amen? Identity leads to relevance. Identity leads to relevance. No one knew his identity better than Jesus. No one has ever been 
as relevant as Jesus. And no one will ever be more relevant than Jesus. And because Jesus knew who he was, he was able to become so relevant and so relatable to the point that people didn't even recognize him at times. Huh? We see a few examples. In Matthew chapter 16 and Luke chapter 9, Jesus asked Peter, who do people say I am? Peter replied, some say John the Baptist or Elijah or another one of the prophets. Then Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 48, Judas had to kiss Jesus on the cheek to signal who the Roman soldiers were to arrest and take away. Think about that. In Luke chapter 7, verse 19, John the Baptist asked Jesus, are you the coming one? See, identity leads to relevance. When we, as the people of God, become relevant to the world and its culture, they might not recognize us, but they will begin to see Jesus in us. And he is the answer that this world needs. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing the world change the church. The church should be changing the world. And we are the church. When we know who we are in Christ, when our identity is rooted in him, then we are equipped to be relevant in this world and help be the change that it desperately needs. But we have to know who we are. I remember uh, a song that came out in the year 2000 by an artist named Eminem. He's very sad that the Lions aren't in the Super Bowl right now, but he wrote this song called The Way I Am, and I still remember the lyrics. I am whatever you say I am. If I wasn't, then why would I say I am? In the paper, the news, every day I am. I don't know. It's just the way I am. And that beat was super catchy, but those lyrics are straight nonsense. And I remember myself singing along with it, driving in my, my Ford Focus. I am whatever you say I am. No, I'm not. Come on. I'm not. No, are you. No, who are you not? And you are not. I'm not who you say that I am. Listen, I'm not even who I say I am because I don't always speak the truth in life about myself. But I'll tell you what. I am who Jesus says I am. And so are you. You are not who other people say you are. You are not who your parents said you were when you were little and got scarred by those words. That's not who you are. You're not even who you say you are, but you are who Jesus says you are. Amen? So contrast that song with the one Lurie and the team led us in this morning. Who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. You are for me, not against me. I am free. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. I am who you say I am, God. Won't you say, I am who you say I am? That sounds a lot like Bible to me. And these are, in fact, some of the identifying marks for those of us who are in Christ. I'm going to give us 12 identifying marks for those who are in Christ. Don't look at your watch. Don't freak out on me. Like, 12? Are you serious? We're not going to spend a lot of time. We're going to move rather quickly, all right? And this is not a comprehensive list, but it's a really good place to start. These are 12 things that you can speak out loud 
and remind yourself of, encourage yourself with. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's do this thing. Number one, I am a child of God. Say that. John chapter 1, verse 12. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you receive Jesus, you are given the legal entitlement of being God's child. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. When we are adopted into the family of God, we are taken in and we are cared for and we are protected and provided for and loved equally just as one of his own. In Matthew chapter 7, it tells us that the father in heaven likes to give good gifts to his children. So parents, think about what your children are entitled to. They probably don't wonder if they're going to eat today. Figuring out what you're going to feed them, that's a whole different story. But they know there's food in the, in the fridge or in the pantry, right? They know where they're going to sleep tonight. They are dependent upon you for those things. In the same way, as children of God, we are to be dependent upon our Heavenly Father. And as children of God, we are heirs to the precious promises that God gave to Abraham. You are connected to God like a branch to a vine. Mark down John 15. Check that out later. The essence and nature of God is the very sap running through your veins. You are marked with the fingerprints of God child of God. Remind yourself. Number two, I am loved by God. Say that. Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And of course, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved you and he chose you even before he made the world. Think back when you were younger and you had a crush on that girl or that boy. Maybe you picked a flower and started plucking petals one at a time. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. You remember? Raise your hand if you remember that. Yeah? That's a good bit of hands. If you were picking petals off of a flower, thinking about the love that your heavenly father has for you, every single petal would be, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves you, y'all. First John chapter 4 tells us that God is love. God is is what he offers to us because he offers himself to us. It goes on to say that because God loved us, we should love one another. We love because he first loved us. So when we experience the love of God, it should motivate us to love him and to love others. We can't say that we love God and then hate people. Those two things can't coexist. 
Love considers others first. Love looks for the best. Love shows respect. Love seeks unity. Want to find out more about what love is? Jot down 1 Corinthians 13. Check that out later. You are loved by God. Everyone listening today, joining us online, you are loved by God. Remind yourself. Number three, I am free and forgiven. Say that. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus we have been saved because of his blood. And have the forgiveness of sins. This is not because we deserve it. Can't earn it. It's not based on anything that we've done or could do. It is because of what Jesus already did on the cross. The blood of Christ makes us free and forgiven. Now why would we need to be free and forgiven unless we were first bound and full of sin? Thank you, Jesus. Perhaps you're here this morning and and you're still bound You've still got some sin to lay at the feet of Jesus. Would you do that today? Ask him to forgive you and he will forgive you and set you free. He will break the chains that we started singing about. When we receive receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit enters our life and that spirit brings freedom. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it is for freedom that you've been set free. You're free and forgiven. Remind yourself. Number four. See, we're moving right along. Number four. My body belongs to God. Say that. My body belongs to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a price. Now, these two verses come at the end of a portion of Scripture talking about sexual sin, and it speaks to all kinds of sexual immorality and that our bodies were not created for that because that type of sin is against our own bodies, which belong to God. The Bible says every other sin is outside of the body. All sin is is a big deal, amen? But this particular type of sin is against our body. Now, God gave us these sexual desires, but they are to be enjoyed within the boundary of a biblical marriage. Within, not before, not in addition to, but within the boundary of a biblical marriage, which is between one man and one woman. That's where two become one flesh and are able to obey the command to be fruitful and multiply. But we're talking about all kinds of sexual immorality this morning. When it comes to our bodies, we should seek to be controlled by the Spirit of God, remembering that our bodies belong to Him. So while these verses talk a little bit about what we are not to do with our bodies, the next verse speaks to what we should do with our bodies. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living 
and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Again, our bodies belong to God, so we must present them to him. Another translation of scripture says, this is our reasonable act of service or our reasonable act of worship. In other words, it makes sense to offer our bodies to God because he offered up his body on the cross. We must put aside our will and our wants and replace it with God's will for us. We've got to stop talking like the world talks and thinking like the world thinks. It's time to start living kind of weird because normal has not been working for a while. We must have our minds transformed. The best way to renew your mind is by getting into the word of God, letting it penetrate your heart and saturate your soul. I've heard people say that they would die for Christ. Peter said it in scripture, didn't he? And then he denied Jesus three times. I know we all want to be willing to lay our lives down for Christ when that time comes, but how about this? Let's not worry so much about dying for Christ and instead just be busy living for him today and tomorrow, daily sacrificing our bodies by how we live, by how we speak to people, to how we act and react, to how we think, to how we represent Jesus, making the most of every opportunity. Your body belongs to God. Remind yourself. Number five, God is close to me. Would you say that? Proverbs 18, 24, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Where are my married people at? Raise your hand. Hi. Any of you have a spouse that loves to cuddle? Whether in bed or maybe just you know, watching a show on the couch, or maybe when they walk by, they give you a little love tap, let you know they're thinking about you. Anybody got a spouse like that? Yeah? <clears throat> My wife has told me that I've become more touchy-feely the longer we've been married. I like being close to my wife, you know? Now, where are my parents at? Raise your hand. Who has kids that love getting gifts? Who has kids that appreciate an encouraging word? Who has kids that want lots of quality time and undivided attention? As many hands as the gifts, believe it or not, all right? So does God. God wants to cuddle. He wants to be close. God wants your undivided attention. He wants quality time with you. Your heavenly father likes to be close to you, child of God, and he is close to you. I know you have had seasons, and some of you are here today, and you're in a season now where it doesn't feel like he's very close. It seems like he's not listening and has forgotten about you, but I promise you, he is so much closer than you think. Have you ever been anticipating a phone call or an, an email or a text, 
and time just dragged on and on and on, and you never, you never got that thing. And if you're anything like me, you get more and more anxious the more time goes by, and then you finally get that notification, or your phone finally rings, and it is just such a weight that is lifted. Anybody else? Yes? Okay, a few weirdos like me. Okay. <clears throat> Sometimes I picture God sitting on his throne holding the iPhone 16 Pro, because you know he'd have it before it came out for the rest of y'all. <laughs> you could think I just don't know what I'm talking about because I have an Android, but no, I did my research. <laughs> now, the difference is while he's waiting for our call or our communication, he does not get anxious, but I imagine he's so excited to hear from us. You just picture God sitting on the throne and then Caller ID shows your name, and I just see God so giddy. He's just been waiting for you to call out to him. He's close to all who call on him. So call on him. If you need him, call him, just like that Diana Ross song. But picture Jesus singing it to you. If you need me, call me. No matter where you are, no matter how far, just call my name. Powerful things happen when we call on the name of Jesus. All right, we've established that this morning. So call on him. He says, I'll be there in a hurry. You don't have to worry. The Lord is near to all who call on him. So church, be quick to call on him. There's a story in John chapter 11. It's one of my favorites. It's about a guy named Lazarus. Lazarus and Jesus were very close friends. Lazarus died. Now, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, were convinced that had Jesus just gotten there sooner, he could have stopped it. And they were right. Sure, he could have, but he had other plans. Instead of stopping Lazarus from dying, Jesus chose to bring him back to life. How many understand a resurrection is greater than a healing? Right? Now, my favorite part of this story, it's not even that miracle but the closeness and compassion that Jesus showed, especially to Mary and Martha. Now, don't get me wrong. The miracle Jesus performed is incredible. <clears throat> but what I see in this story is Jesus completely present in the moment with those that are grieving. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. When Mary and Martha are grieving, so is Jesus. When they're crying, so is Jesus. He knew, Jesus knew he was going to bring Lazarus back to life, but before he did, he wept and hurt with those who were weeping and hurting. Jesus feels what you feel. He sees what you're going through. He is close to you, always. He would leave the 99 to go get you and bring you back to the flock. Remind yourself of how close he is. Number six, I am beautiful from the inside out. Men, even you, let's say it. I am beautiful from the inside out. Yes, you are. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that. Full well. David is confident. He says, I know that. What if we walked around confidently? 
that we bear the fingerprints of God, that we are beautiful from the inside out, but we get distracted. <laughs> 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He sees your heart. There was a man exploring caves by the seashore, and in one of these caves, he found a canvas bag with a bunch of hardened clay balls inside of it. It was like someone had just rolled these clay balls and left them out in the sun to bake. They didn't look like much, but they intrigued the man, so he picked up this bag with him and started walking along the beach. He'd go a little bit, and he would just toss one clay ball out into the ocean, walk a little further, toss another one out into the ocean. He thought little about what he was doing until one of those fell and cracked open on a rock, revealing beautiful, precious gems inside. Excited, the man started breaking open all of these clay balls to find a similar treasure in each. He found thousands of dollars worth of jewels in those 20 or so clay balls that he still had left. And then it struck him. He had been walking the beach for a while. He had tossed quite a few of those out into the ocean, maybe 50 or 60 of them with that hidden treasure inside that he couldn't see. Instead of thousands of dollars, he could have had perhaps 10,000s of dollars, but he had just thrown it away. It's kind of like that with people sometimes, isn't it? We look at someone or maybe even ourselves, and we only see the external clay vessel. It doesn't look like much from the outside. It's not always sparkly or shiny, so we discount it. We see that person or ourselves as less important than someone more stylish or wealthy or well-known. But we've not taken time to find the treasure inside. There is treasure in each and every one of us. Treasure in each and every one of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Oh, Lord, may we see ourselves how you see us. May we see others how you see them. You are a treasure. You are a masterpiece. You are beautiful from the inside out, and you are enough. Remind yourself. Number seven, God will never abandon me. Say that. <laughs> Number five on our list, if you remember, was God is close to me. And sometimes we like that, right? We want to be close. We want that cuddle time. But sometimes we want space. Raise your hand if you ever just need a little space. Okay. Now, while there might be times where you want some space, we do not want to be alone. Hello? And as a child of God, you will never be alone. Deuteronomy 31.6, Moses told God's people, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. We find this scripture again in Hebrews 13, verse 5. The author reminds the people, making it even more personal. He said, God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Know that today. Even when you can't see him, he's there. Think of Abraham. 
with his son tied up on an altar with a knife poised in hand, ready to sacrifice his son in obedience to the Lord. But just in time, the ram was provided, the sacrifice provided, because he was there. He was always there. If you've ever had things turn out better than they should have, or if you've ever felt a peace in the middle of a situation where peace did not belong, or if you ever received an unexpected blessing, these are all just little ways of God reminding you that he is there, and he always will be. God will never abandon you. Remind yourself. Number eight, I am gifted by God to accomplish great things. Would you say that? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. All things through Christ who gives us strength. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Our spiritual gifts were given to us to complement the spiritual gifts of other believers in the body of Christ. We are all a part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and we are his body. Amen? In John 14, Jesus told the disciples and all who would believe that they would do the works that he had been doing and even greater things. Wow. That's pretty remarkable to think about because we read a lot of great things that God did in the Bible. Amen? But those that would believe on him, call on his name, and walk in relationship with him have been given power to accomplish great things, just like he did and even greater things. So how are you gifted? Make no mistake, you are gifted. I would encourage everyone here that has not taken a spiritual gifts test to do just that this week. You can just Google free spiritual gifts test. You'll find a number of options. Take maybe an hour at most. Invest in yourself and discover, if you haven't already, what gifts God has placed inside of you. And then strengthen that thing. Exercise that thing and find a way that you can use it. You're welcome to talk to any of us on staff, and we'll help point you in the right direction and grow that gift and find you a place where you can activate it. Don't compare that gift to anybody else's gift. Amen? Because you and your gift are needed in the body. And a hint to what you might do with your gift is, what do you enjoy doing? What are you good at? What moves you? What makes you mad or happy or sad? Chances are that one or, or some combination of those things are causes that you're called to do something about. All right? You are gifted by God to accomplish great things. Get in the game. Remind yourself. Number nine, God cares about me and my problems. Would you say that? Psalm 72, verse 12, for he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. This is a promise. It's a promise that sometimes feels like we have to wait a long time to see answered, right? But he will deliver, but it will be on his terms, and in his sovereign timing. Amen. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. 
We're told to give God all of our worries. All means all. But we don't like asking for help, do we? We like to be independent, right? And there's, there's certain cases where we'll ask for God's help, but we all have those things that we think we can handle on our own. I don't need to bother God with that. God wants that. He cares about that because he cares about you. So let's not tell God how big our problems are. Instead, let's speak to those problems, telling them how big God is, knowing that he is with us. God cares about you and your problems, and he's working. Remind yourself. Home stretch. Number 10, God gives me strength and protection. Would you say that? Psalm 91, verse 11 says, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Thank you, Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, The Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. This does not mean that danger will not come near you. On the contrary, this means danger will come near you. But God will give you strength and equip you to protect yourself, and he is also protecting you. How do you get this strength? How do you increase this strength? Strength comes from reading the word of God. Strength comes when we talk to the Lord and pray in the spirit. Strength comes when we fast. Strength comes as we patiently wait for the Lord and remain faithful while we wait. Strength comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that brought Jesus back to life is in us to strengthen these mortal bodies of ours. I don't know about you, but I love picturing God as my source of strength and as my protector because I know how I feel when I'm being protective of my wife or our daughters or our pastors and our church, my friends, right? You know how you are when you're feeling protective, when you've got somebody's back, when you're ready, just like, wait, like, I wish they would. I wish they would. You know how you get. And mama bears, you know how you feel, right? It's incredible to think of God in that way. He is our protector. He is our strength. Remind yourself of that. Number 11, I have hope for the future. Say that. Try again. That's better. Yes, you do. A future full of hope. Hope is a lot like faith. It's an expectation or desire for a certain thing to happen. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, we find, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Have you ever had this thought? I'm really grateful that God knows the plans that he has for me and my future, but I sure wish I knew a little bit more about it. Wish I could have a little sneak peek. Anybody? All right, I see you. Our heavenly father knows. Lord, help us be satisfied with that truth, with that knowledge. You know what I think? I think that if we already knew all of God's plans for us, it would terrify us. I think we, would, we wouldn't even want to stick to his plan. We'd think we have a better one. We'd be looking for shortcuts. God, did you consider this? 
There's a reason we don't know the full story, but we do know how it ends. We have to keep trusting God in his process in the middle of the story. You have a future, and it is full of hope. Would you remind yourself? And lastly, number 12, with God's help, I am changed and can change the world. Would you say that? Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. All of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. <clears throat> have you ever known someone who gave their life to Jesus, but they were still pretty rough around the edges? <clears throat> Yeah, <clears throat> too many followers of Christ forget that they were just like that, especially early on. And maybe some of them still are. Don't elbow them if they're beside you today. <laughs> Oftentimes, when someone accepts Jesus into their heart, they do not immediately stop the behaviors they had been practicing or instantly think and speak differently than they did before beginning a relationship with Jesus. Now, that certainly can happen, but it's pretty rare. Aren't you glad that God is patient with his people? Aren't you glad that he's still working on you? I'm glad he's still working on me. I've known people that got saved and used a cuss word to describe how much they were enjoying the presence of God in a worship service, right? I'm serious. Some of you might be offended by that, but they had very recently given their life to Jesus, and they really didn't know any better. All they knew was whatever they were feeling the Holy Spirit doing was awesome, and they wanted to express it with their limited vocabulary at the time, right? To, to make it you know, real churchy sounding, total sanctification does not happen at the moment of salvation, right? It's a work in progress. Those that are in Christ, we begin to look more and more like Christ over time, and we become more and more like Christ so that we can more and more accurately reflect him to others. Matthew 5, 14 and 16, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. When the world sees you, they should see Jesus. They should see his love. They should see his light. Too often, I think we're recognized for the wrong reasons. So let's change that and be the change that the world needs. Amen? Let's point people to the change that the world needs. Jesus. Church, you are a child of God. You are loved by God. You are free and forgiven. Your body belongs to God. God is close to you. You are beautiful from the inside out. God will never abandon you. You are gifted to accomplish great things. God cares about you and your problems. God gives you strength and protection. You have a future full of hope, and you are being changed and can change the world. Amen? 
Remind yourself daily of who you are in Christ. No more cases of mistaken identity within the body of Christ. Amen? At least not within Destiny Church. Amen? And then walk in authority with your head held high, knowing that greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. You guys can start playing. That's the national symbol of you can start playing. (laughs) Maybe you're here this morning. And you hear that list and you're, you're thinking, I'd really like to get in on that because I don't feel real close to God. He doesn't feel real close to me. I wouldn't call myself a child of his. If that's you, I want you to hear me clearly. Jesus loves you desperately. He died for you, and he knows you intimately. He knows everything there is to know about you, and he still loves you. And he wants you to know him in the same way. So right now, I believe he's standing at the door of your heart, and he's knocking, asking for you to let him in. Will you let him in? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up and missed the mark. No one is perfect but God. And the penalty for that sin is death and eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, his son. So you have a choice today, death or life. Eternity away from God or eternity with him. If you want to choose life today and give your heart to Jesus, the Bible says There's just a couple things you have to do. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. I want you to, I want to invite you to pray with me right now and repeat this out loud. You can remain seated, but repeat this out loud, loud enough so you can hear yourself say it and believe it with all your heart. Say, dear God, I want to know you. I need you. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done. I invite you into my heart. Take control. Make me brand new. Jesus, I believe that you are the living son of God, that you died for me and came back to life. All that I am or ever hope to be I give to you and all that you are I receive as mine you are the Lord of my life and I will never be the same never 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 in Jesus name amen amen clap your hands and thank the Lord